we find an interesting difference in halacha between two categories. One is what we call things which were used for mitzvahs. In other words, tashmishe mitzvah. And the second one is things which were used for kedusha. Tashmishe kedusha. And the rule in halacha is that tashmishe mitzvah nizrakim, which means things which were used for mitzvahs, objects which have been used in some way to do a mitzvah, when they have no longer a purpose, the mitzvah has been done, and one is allowed to dispose of them. They don't retain kedusha. So for example, the word one uses as schach for the sukkah, after sukkah is dried out, and the mitzvah is finished, he's allowed to dispose of it. Not in a way which is bozzy, which is not fitting, but one's allowed to wrap it up and, and throw it out. So too, the iron minim after they've been used, the tashmisha mitzvah, and can also be disposed of. When a person takes truma today, and the food that he's taking truma from is tomei, and therefore cannot be given to a koyen, but nevertheless was used for a mitzvah. He used it to take truma. He's allowed to wrap it up. And he's allowed to throw it away. So to the begad, the garment of the titsis, which is worn out, one's allowed to dispose of it the same way. That's the general rule which applies to object used for a mitzvah. But then it's rakim. After the mitzvah has been done, they don't retain their status. The second category is what we call Tashmisha Kedusha. Tashmisha Kedusha are things which are used for a Sefer Torah, for Tefillin, for Mezuzas, things which are connected to the Torah. And things which are connected to the Torah, even after they're no longer usable, the Tefillin have worn out, the mezuzah got wet, whatever the case may be, they can't be disposed of. They retain their sanctity. They need to be buried, they need to be put in the gneza. And we understand that there's a different status between mitzvahs and between Torah. But we find an exception. We find an exception to this rule, and that is even an object which is a tashmishe mitzvah, something which is used for a mitzvah, nevertheless, the halacha says that it can't be disposed of the same way, it needs to be burnt. And that's the leftover oil from the nearest of Hanukkah. The Shulchan Aruch Paskans in Simon Tafresha in Zayin, that the Hanoiser Bayeh Mashmini Min Hashemin what's left over at the eighth day from the oil which was meant for that locus nearus, you have to make a fire and burn it. Why? It was meant for a mitzvah. It was meant for a mitzvah, and therefore once it was meant for a mitzvah, not only can't it be disposed of, it can't even be used for something else. Not only that, it can't even be used for a different mitzvah. 
in a year like this one, when the last night of Hanukkah is Thursday night, and one would think after finishing Hanukkah is having that menorah for the last time, so he would be able to gather the leftover oil in all the cups of his menorah and use it for Hanukkah, use it for Shabbos candles. We wouldn't even think he's using them for another mitzvah. And that would be awesome. When it's also to use the oil which was meant for the mitzvah of Hanukkah, it's also even to use it for another mitzvah. And it needs an explanation. Why is there this extra chumrah, so to speak, by Hanukkah candles, which is different to other objects which are used for mitzvahs? That's the first difference we see. There's a second difference also. And that is, there's an argument in the Gemara, in Shabbos, between Rav and Shmuel, if Madlikin Miner Liner, we can light one candle from the next candle, which means, in the Miner in the Besamikdash, there were seven separate lights. Would one be allowed to bend the wick of the second light to catch the fire from the first? And then use the third wick to catch the fire from the second. The nair is the nair of a mitzvah. Can we use it to light the next nair mitzvah? And while the Gemara has a machlaikis between Rav and Shmuel, the halacha is decided like Shmuel that one is allowed to be madlik miner liner. To light from one candle to the next. This is only if one's directly lighting one candle from the next. If a person would use a shamish or a match or something else to catch the fire from the first candle and then transfer it to the second candle, this is already a machlokis. The first opinion of the Shulchan Aruch in Simitav Rishayin Dalit is that that would be Asur. The Hetzer was only said when one lights the first candle directly from the second candle. He brings a second opinion as well. Now, this applies to other Neris Mitzvah too. When it comes to Shabbos candles, when it comes to Hanukkah candles, the same hats of the Shulchan Aruch should apply. Which means, one's allowed to bend the second wick to catch the fire from the first one. Obviously, um, this then would apply specifically when you have long wicks for, let's say, an oil manure. Then each candle is already in its place. Each light is already in its place. And I'm just moving the wick, bending the wick to catch the fire from the neighboring light. When you're talking about candles, that in order to transfer a fire from the first candle to the second, one would have to pick up the candle and hold it next to the second one. So then this wouldn't work for Hanukkah candles. But for a different reason. And that is, the halacha of Hanukkah candles is that Hadlaka Oisimitsa. Hadlaka Oisimitsa means that 
the candle has to be lit in the position where it can do the mitzvah. If one lights a candle in his hand and then puts it down, it can't be used for a Hanukkah candle. Same thing, if a person lights the candles and then moves them to a different position, he's not Yetzir. They have to already be in the position which they need to be. They have to already be in the place where the menorah is meant to be placed, and then he has to light them. <coughs> and therefore, to pick up a candle, to light it from the other candle, would automatically be no good by Hanukkah, because it's being lit in his hand. This doesn't apply to other mitzvahs. If, for example, by Neris Shabbos, a person was lighting candles, and would you pick up the one to catch a flame from the second, that would be a lab. That would be mutzah. So this is the second Khumra we see by Neris Hanukkah. And that is that the Neris have to be in the position that they're meant to be even before I light them. Now, comes along the Ramah. And the Ramah says that even though in the Beis HaMikdash, even though for Neris Shabbos, one is allowed to light one candle from another one, when it comes to Neris Hanukkah, not to do that either. Not to light one candle, even if it's directly from the second. What's the reason of the Ramah? So he explains. And he explains that the reason is because Me'ikar Adin, one only needs a single candle to be yet in the midst of Hanukkah. The fact that we light more than that, we go up every night and add more candles, is only a Hidu. It's only a Mahadrin. It's a better way of doing the mitzvah. But with one candle, the person's already yet. With one candle, the person's already yet. And therefore, to use the light of the first candle to light the second one is transferring a light which is used for a mitzvah to a light which is only used for a Hidu mitzvah. That's a lower level, and therefore one can't do that. Therefore, even if two people were lighting their own candles, so the same distinction would apply. If it's a case where the one is the Balabais, it's his home, a father, let's say, and the other person lighting is only lighting as the hidder of each person should light, but really he can be yated with the candle of the Balabais, then he wouldn't be allowed to take the flame, so to speak, from the first candle. But, says the Mishnah Bura, if we would be talking about two people who equally mechoyev, two partners, two roommates, where the one doesn't become the balabais, so to speak, of the other, and therefore each one has his own chiyuv tonight, then it should be mutter to take the flame from the one to the second. So too, if we're not talking about the first there to the second one, but let's say you want to light number three from number four. Or number four from number five. In that case, they're all nearest of the same level. They're all nearest which are there for a Hidur Mitzvah. And therefore, according to the explanation, according to the Svara of the Ramah, 
one should be allowed to light the one from the other. The Shulchan Aruch then brings another opinion. He brings the opinion of the Torah. And the Torah says that not only is one allowed to light one from Hanukkah candle from another Hanukkah candle, says the Torah, one is even allowed to light nerves which are used for mitzvahs from the Hanukkah candle. What are nerves which are used for mitzvah? So it's interesting. It brings four examples of a nair which is used for a mitzvah. The first one is Hanukkah candles. The whole point of the nair is the mitzvah. One is not allowed to do anything else with them, so that's a nair of a mitzvah. The second category he brings of a nair of a mitzvah is nair Shabbos, Shabbos candles. Where even though their primary use is to be used, is to be enjoyed, the reason the Chazal or Metakin that a person should light Shabbos candles is so that he'll be able to see. He shouldn't have to eat in the dark. But it's being lit for a mitzvah and therefore it's also a mitzvah. And then after that, the next example he brings, Nerushal Besaknesis. The Nerush which are used to light up a shul. Which means, not necessarily Shabbos, but in those times, when there wasn't lighting, and the way to provide light in the shul was to light candles, it was a mitzvah. To light candles in the shul also, we learn from a pasuk, Bu'urim Kabdu Hashem. That with lights, that's how we honor Hashem. So that's also a mitzvah. The third example of a mitzvah he gives is the Ner Ashal Talmud Torah. The Ner which is used for learning. And this is already a Chiddush. The Ner there is only used as the Hechitimti, as the means to do a mitzvah. The mitzvah is learning. But since the person wants to learn and he can't see in the dark, and he needs a Ner, he needs light in order to be able to learn, so then lighting a candle to be able to learn by the candlelight is called a Ner Mitzvah. Enough of a Ner Mitzvah that a person is allowed to go to the Chonuk Gnera according to this opinion of the Shulchan Aruch, and use the flame, so to speak, to light his, his candle to learn with. Now, the last example brought, and one which is even bigger Chiddush than that, is a Nershul Chayleh. A person is sick, he needs to be tended to. The doctors need to check him, nurses need to look after him, and they can't see the dark. And therefore, they don't know how to treat him. And therefore, to light a candle so that he'll be able to do his job as a doctor and treat the patient is also considered a name mitzvah. And again, this is an even bigger question. Even bigger question. But we see another point. That's the opinion of the Shulchan Aruch. That for all these mitzvahs, one's allowed to use the nair of the menorah to provide the fire. The Mishnah Bura brings the opinion of the Vilnagon and other Achronim who disagree. And they hold one is not allowed to use the nair of the Hanukkah menorah even for other mitzvahs.
They say that if one is not allowed to use the light of the menorah to learn by, because as we say, that the Neris are Kodesh, and we're not allowed to learn by them, then if that's the case, I can't use the Ner to light the candle which I'm going to learn by either. And this is a big Kiddush. Let's understand this halacha. We understood before an object which is used for a mitzvah, or Kedusha let's say, can't be used for another purpose. But over here, if one's borrowing, so to speak, the light of the fire, to light the second candle, in what way is one taking away from the first light? The Gemara says a language that it looks like one's minimizing the aura by taking away another light. And it seems that even that small level, if you're going to call it, and one takes away from the first light, by holding it to the second, that's already enough to say that one isn't allowed to get Hanoah from the mitzvah, from the nearest of Hanukkah, and that's the second light which will be used for a mitzvah. So here too we, say that we see the same concept. That there was an extra Chumrah, an extra level of severity, which are put on the nearest of the Hanukkah menorah, that one can't get any benefit from them. And now a third point. Where's the optimal place to put the menorah? Where's the optimal place to put to place the candles, the lights? If one's working with the din of the Gemara, that one's meant to leave the menorah at the entrance to his property on the street, Pesach Beisami Bachut, the halach is that the best place to leave the menorah is between the height of 3 tvachim and 10 tvachim. 30 centimeters to a meter. Now you won't often find people putting candles at that height. For two reasons. Firstly, if a person wants to use, let the light spread and be seen from a bigger distance, the one will put the light higher. Secondly, it's dangerous. The height of 30 centimeters to a meter means passerby are likely to touch the flame, touch the candles. Passerby are likely to get burnt. Not only that, it's a Mishnah. The Mishnah talks about the storekeeper who leaves his menorah outside and as a, resa- as a result, animals going past catch fire or the load that they're carrying catches fire from the menorah. And if that's the case, asks the Gemara, who's responsible? So since the Mishnah says that the one who lit the nearest of the menorah is Potter, is not responsible, it must be he was meant to put it there. Because if he had the option of putting the menorah higher in a place at a height where it wouldn't pose a threat, it wouldn't pose a danger or a risk to other people, one should be mechuyev to do that. And if he still put it in a place where 
that could cause damage, there would be a sphere to say it should be liable. And since the mission says he's potter, we must we understand that that must be the optimal place to put the mineral. And the question is also why. Four questions so far. Let's sum up. Why is there an extra level of severity to the candles of the menorah, the lights of the menorah, that the remaining oil retains its kadusha, retains its sanctity, and can't be used for other mitzvahs, can't be disposed of even, as we see by other tashmisha mitzvah. Secondly, the chumrah that one can't even use the candle light to allow us to light another candle which will be used for a mitzvah according to the opinion of the Ramah and the Mishnah Bura. Thirdly, that the place where one puts the candle has to be specifically at a place which we would think is not only providing danger, but also isn't the normal place where one puts the candles. And lastly, lastly, that the person isn't Yetze if he would light the candle and then put it down. It has to first be in the place where it's meant to be and only then can it be lit. Just tonight, someone asked me that they had really lit the menorah and then they thought that maybe they placed it too low. So if they would measure the height of the menorah and it would be less than the three tfachim, it would be less than 30 centimeters from the ground, what should they do? Can they just pick it up? And the Allah says, no, they can't. Because since the lighting is what does the mitzvah, in that case, the person would have to first replace the menorah at the height it's meant to be and then relight it. Okay. So to answer all these questions, and really the principle in halacha which answers them all is the same one. And that is that Chazal were worried that when it comes to Ner Hanukkah, people wouldn't see it as being meant to, to be used as the Ner Hanukkah, as the Ner of the Mitzvah. People lit candles regularly. That was the source of light at night. And therefore, maybe the Ner outside your house is a street light. Maybe it's there to show you where the front door is. In what way are we going to demonstrate that the Ner which is being used is being used specifically for Hanukkah? And it's not meant to be a source of light, a candle, like so many other candles were being used the whole time. And therefore, Chazal made an extra level of stringency that it has to be at a place which wouldn't be the convenient place to put candles. It has to be that it's being lit in the place where one wants to light it as a menorah. If one lit it first and was carrying it and then put it down, it wouldn't look like he's doing this for Hanukkah. He was carrying a candle. He wanted to see where he was going. And he only put it down because he found the place to leave it. And the extra khumri here also, that if one would use the candlelight for something else, then that would detract from the appearance it has of being in their mitzvah. As being a candle of a mitzvah. And therefore, in order to ensure that it would be visible that this is a Ner Mitzvah, that's why Chazal were more makbit here 
that it can't be used for anything else. But if we're already on this topic, let's explain it a little better. We find three times in the year Takanas Chazal made for Pirsume Nisa to publicize this. We find the Menorah on Hanukkah, the Megillah on Purim, and the four cups of, of wine we drink on El Pesach. And if you think about it, Rabbi, so you'll see that there's a difference between the Ner Hanukkah and the other two. Because the Arabic curses of Pesach are Prisumenusa. But for who? Who is the nice being shown to? The person drinking. Maybe the, the other guests around the same Seder table. That's who is aware of the person of the nest. So too the Megillah is being Farsim, the nest publicizing the miracle to who? To the people who hear the Megillah. To the person who's reading it. But now Hanukkah is different. The Pirsumai Nisa of Hanukkah isn't for the person who's lighting. The Pirsumai Nisa of Hanukkah is for the person outside, the passerby on the street, the one who sees the Nerus Hanukkah. And why is it the difference? Why, when Chazawa Metzak and Pirsumai Nisa, Purim and Pesach, it was intended for the person who's doing the mitzvah. He's being the first in the nest to himself. And by Hanukkah, the point of Brisa is for the person outside. So, when we talk about Brisa there's a bit of a misunderstanding. It doesn't mean it's a way of publicizing that the miracle happened. That there was a nest. Arbukhosis on Pesach, for example, aren't the best proof of the miracle of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We have the Matzah, we have the Haggadah of, of the story. The Arbukhosis are a detail. But if the point of Prisuminissa was to spread the, the information, to make known that the miracle happened, so. By Pesach, it's hard to understand why the Arab Kosis are the means of making the Yetzirah Mitzrayim public. The Prisumian Nis is a different point. It's emphasizing the point of the Nis. The nature of the miracle. Not the historical evidence that it happened. And therefore, the way that Chazal found for us to Makayim Prisumian Nis was different in each case, depending on what we were trying to show. Purim, as is always spoken about on Purim, could have been a case of a court intrigue. In politics, things like that happen. Where does one see the nature of the miracle? It's only when one sees the whole story and sees over the period of 10 years how all the pieces fit together, how Hashem was pulling all the strings, that's where you see it was miraculous. And therefore, if we want to mefarsim the nest, we want to 
make known the miracle, we have to read the Megillah. We have to show where the miracle was. And we show where the miracle was by showing how in the whole course of events everything was planned. It wasn't random incidents in the kingdom of Persia over a period of 10 years. It was a carefully crafted story where every detail was taken care of. That's where we see the Ness. By reading the Megillah. The same thing by Pesach. Of course, we can look at individual Nisim which happened along the way. Each of the ten plagues was a tremendous Ness. Was miraculous, and it was meant to be miraculous because it was meant to show Hashem's mastery. But the pursuing of coming out of Mitzrayim was in a different point, as the Ramban says in Pasha Shmos. The nature of the nes was that it had been predicted. Hashem had already said beforehand it was going to happen. And when Hashem in advance tells us what's going to happen, and then everything happens according to that plan, that's we see Nes. We see Amar Bayahi. What he said, that was, that's what came into being. And therefore, the point of the Arab Kosis, as we know, is to remind us of the original prophecy Hashem had made. Had given Moshe. The original promise he had made. I'm going to take Mitzrayim, redeem them, take them as my nation. And Hashem kept to that promise. It took miracles to do it. Pari didn't agree. And he had to be forced in a supernatural fashion. But it was a way to Makaim the promise. And then we see the nest. There we see the nest. And then when there is Hanukkah, we can also not see the miracle properly. We could see it as being a tremendous military success. Where a few people, ill-equipped, not trained, as soldiers could uh, take on a much bigger enemy and defeat them. It's tremendous. But it could happen. It could be the Maccabees military strategy. It could be some freak accident which happened in the Greek camp. Or any other explanation one would want to give. Where do we see the nature of the miracle? The nature of the miracle we see in the menorah. Because the symbol of the menorah burning, like it says in the Torah, is Eidus Lechol Boye Oilam. It's evidence to the whole world that the Shekhin is in Klai Yisrael. That Hashem is with us. And therefore when it comes to Hanukkah we don't have a prophecy in advance to tell us what's going to happen. That we can see fulfillment of the prophecy. We don't even have a Megillah which is written with Ruach HaKodesh. Which can detail the whole sequence of events. And show us the, the hidden guiding hand of Yad Hashem. But we have one thing. We have proof that Hashem was with us. And what was the proof? Just like in the Mishkan, when the menorah burnt, and continued to burn, the Nehemiah beyond the amount of oil it had, that was proof that Hashem is with us. 
So in Hanukkah that proof came back. The menorah burnt longer than the oil it had would allow it to burn. And therefore, looking at the military victory, looking at what happened, when we see that the Shekhinah Shehrib Yisrael, we see the miraculous nature of it. We see it happened because Hashem is with us. And therefore, the lighting of our nearest is meant to be a recreation of that same Eidus. It's Eidus that the Shekhinah is in Klai Yisrael. And just like the light of the menorah, as we quoted before, was Eidus Nechol Boye Oilam, it was evidence for everybody in the world to see. It was evidence for the outside passerby to see that the Shekhinah is with Klai Yisrael. Our Pistimenis is to recreate that. To show the passerby, to show the whole world Hashem is sharing with Klai Yisrael. In the absence of Nevoah, in the absence of a Megillah, which is written with Ruch HaKodesh, that's the sign that it was miraculous. The sign that Hashem is with Klai Yisrael. Maybe one last point and to finish with that. An added feeling one can have. And that is as we began this year, that there's a difference between Tashmisha Mitzvah and Tashmisha Kedusha. Object used for a mitzvah and object used for Kedusha. There's another exception also. There's another exception also. An object for a mitzvah which retains its sanctity forever. Can't be destroyed. Can't be used for anything else. And that is anything to do with the Beis HaMikdash. Anything to do with the Beis HaMikdash, with the sacrifices, with divine property, is hektish, is sanctified, is holy, and can't be used for any other purpose, even once its mitzvah has been done. Everything used in the Beis HaMikdash retains its Kedusha. And therefore, Maybe there's this element also in the Ner Hanukkah. It obviously isn't Hektash. We don't have a base of Hektash. But if it's meant to recreate, it's meant to sing, symbolize and signif- signal to the world a continuation of the nace of the manure of the base of Hektash. So maybe that's another reason also why Chazal gave it this status. That one can't use the lights for anything else. It retains its Kedusha. It's also in some way a mayain of the Mnair of the Beis HaMikdash. A mayain of the Pirsumenis the that it's trying to convey. And show today as well that the Nais was the continuation of the proof of the Mnair which burned longer than it would possibly be able to at the Shekhin HaSherib Yisrael. That Hashem is still with us. And when we see Hashem is still with us, then you understand that what happened was a result of a miracle. It was a result of Hashem being with us. That's what we meant to learn from Neres Hanukkah. That's the Pirsa Manes which is unique to this Yom Tov.